What's up, guys? Pat Healy here outside Fifth Street Gym with Coach Guy Laetta. Thanks for joining, man. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I promised you for a long time. Uh, yeah, we finally got you on. And uh, for the people listening and watching right now, we're going to talk on this podcast. It's going to be a little bit more of a crime and boxing podcast. I think there's some interesting stories, especially with Guy's background in New York. Um, why don't you tell the people a little bit about your background and, and your life really in New York with NYPD boxing and being a detective and kind of how that all came to be. I, I started out as a boxer when I was a teenager. I was turning pro very young, uh, had a great coach and a manager, and I had a spinal injury, uh, ended my boxing career, so I switched to coaching. And my college education is in journalism because I was going to become a boxing writer because I'm a boxing historian. But somewhere along the line, I decided I wanted to be a policeman. And I, I felt like I would be much better at that than as a writer. Um, so I wound up becoming a New York City cop and I called up the Police Benevolent Association and said, hey, I heard you guys have a boxing team. I have a lot of knowledge. If they were like, yeah, come on over. So I was one of the coaches on the police boxing team. And we went to England. We fought the Bobbies and beat them. And uh, it was a great experience. They were really nice. They would, their opponents of our cops, would, after they fought, they would take them out and patrol them the next day. <laughs> And uh, it was very nice. So it was nice coaching the police boxing team. But when I became a detective, which was shortly after that, I really didn't have the time. And I wanted to coach boxing full-time, which is hard to do. So I moved to Florida and uh, opened my own detective business. My partner and I have law and order investigations. And we do mostly homicide cases. But uh, it allowed me the opportunity to coach boxers so I started with PALs and had you know dozens of Golden Glove champions and and uh, then when the Fifth Street Gym opened up like 12 years ago I, I called and I talked to Dino who's you know now my partner my friend and we just hit it off and we started training fighters together yeah and you still got the amateur fighters at the gym the pro guys you're with Noel McCallion recently who just got another strap the WBC silver over in Latvia so that must be exciting for you to be along with his journey as well yeah I spend most of my time training him because <laughs> yeah. he's close to a world title fight now actually he's been promised the next world title fight so I have some amateurs here but they're mostly working guys that do it as a hobby right so it's not like uh, 16 year old amateurs that are going to be Olympians. They're more uh, working guys that just love doing it. And I love helping them. You're the best. Well, let's get into the crime and boxing part of this podcast. Obviously, with your background as a detective, we were talking a little bit off camera about some of the cases where, you know, things have gone wrong in the boxing realm. And I know there's one story that kind of sticks out that we want to talk, talk to a little bit today. So... There's been a lot of criminal cases in boxing, like going back to the great Stanley Ketchell, uh, who was a great middleweight champion, like in the Jack Johnson era, uh, he was murdered, you know, by a jealous ranch hand. Uh, he supposedly was, you know, fooling around with the wrong woman, and 
cases after that where guys became like Jack Blackburn, the great coach of the one of the greatest heavyweight champions, Joe Lewis. Jack Blackburn was actually locked up for murder twice. Somehow beat the rap and got out. And not only was he a great fighter, but he coached one of the greatest fighters of all time, Joe Lewis. Um, then there was Tony Ayala when, when I was growing up. Was a great, great fighter that was going to be world champion. He was 19 or 20 years old. And he got locked up for rape and burglary and did like almost 20 years in jail. Uh, still came out and, and then he made a comeback and he was still pretty good, but, but he was old. But the, the case that was sticking out in my mind that we never hear much about, it was a very unfortunate case, was James Butler, who people will remember the incident on ESPN. It was about 20 years ago. I think it was 2001. And he was awaiting the decision, which he clearly lost. And he went over to his opponent barehanded and sucker punched him. And he got arrested. And I believe he went to Rikers Island and, uh, for maybe six months. I mean, not enough. I remember seeing the old clip of that. It was like a devastating you know, sucker terrible. punch. And then the announcers, I don't know if it was Teddy Atlas at the time. but It was. Yeah, they were. They, I remember the clips of him saying, you know, arrest this guy this is assault not all, i mean forget about the ban on boxing this guy needs to go away for what yeah, he just did yeah he was right but he didn't go away long enough and then i i found out that when he got out of jail i didn't even know max kellerman had a brother but max kellerman the commentator's brother was a i believe he was a freelance sports writer and i guess a real good guy and he took this guy in because james butler had nowhere to go but I believe he understood there was going to be briefly, and James Butler didn't want to leave. And I believe Max Kellerman's brother told him, well, you got to go. Next thing you know, James Butler murdered Max Kellerman's brother. And I believe they gathered the evidence. I think it was 2004. Then he wound up getting convicted to like 30 years, which isn't enough. No. But, and it's interesting, like, I mean, obviously a horrific story. Um, Kellerman at the time, you know, early 2000s, I was a little kid. So you'll know, <laughs> you know better than me. Kellerman at the time, you know, he wasn't really Kellerman of, Matt, no. of boxing. I yet. mean, for, for boxing people, we knew him because he was on ESPN doing color commentary for boxing. So uh, I didn't know his brother. Yeah, I unfortunately I never heard of his brother until he got murdered. But Max Kellerman was already coming up doing the Friday night fights with Teddy, I believe, at that time. And uh, it's just a terrible story, and just another example of a fighter who was pretty good. I mean, he wasn't like Tony Ayala's wasted talent of going to prison for twenty years, but he's a pretty good fighter, and you know, destroyed some young man's life, killed him. And also is in jail forever. Yeah, horrible story. I mean, I, there's so many lives that are saved from boxing. So it's obviously terrible to see. Way more saved. Way more yeah. saved. So, and, and going back to when you're in New York, right, with the NYPD. I know the NYPD cops and kids gym in, in, in New York and a lot of work they do with the young kids. And maybe there's times where, you know, I'm sure you were around a lot of guys through the years of your experience in boxing where you saw many people that were saved by the sport, right? I did, and, and growing up too. But uh, 
a lot of kids could have went the wrong way and they wound up becoming boxers. A, a lot of champs were, like Jake Lomato was a juvenile delinquent, became a great middleweight champion. Rocky Graziano did time. You know, Hector Camacho, who was an amateur when I was, he went to Rikers Island briefly, I believe for car theft, wound up becoming a great champion. And then getting killed, I think, in a drug deal. So a lot of guys go back to crime. Well, this is an, so an interesting thing I want to talk about is Sonny Liston. So Sonny Liston, I think, tragic end to his life, his story. You know, he was marked as this bad guy, right? And he was kind of the muscle for organized crime. And it eventually, you know, led to his demise through drugs and drinking. And, and, and most likely he was murdered, correct? I believe they said it was an overdose, but it looked like... Uh, uh, strangulation or something in a Vegas hotel room. Is there anything that you've ever heard around that or theories um, about what happened? The only thing is, I find it hard to believe that Sonny Liston got overpowered by anybody. I know supposedly he was afraid of needles and he died of a heroin overdose, but I also can't picture anybody overpowering Sonny Liston. Yeah. And I, I feel bad for Sonny Liston. I'm I'm a big fan. I mean, he's before my time, but I really believe Sonny Liston was just this misunderstood guy. He yeah. couldn't read or write. Um, his father used to abuse him. He moved, he moved to St. Louis, I believe, following his mom, who had left. And then he got involved with, like, street crime. I mean, I'm, I'm not making excuses for him. Because being no. uneducated is not an excuse to break the law. But I think by time when he went to jail and uh, this priest befriended him and, and got him involved in boxing, uh, when he came out, right away the mob jumped on him. Back then, boxing was really dirty. Right. Boxing's always been dirty. But it, back then, it was totally mob-controlled. And they basically signed him, and he had to do whatever they said. So I always... I really felt bad when he won the title from Floyd Patterson and he was expecting there to be a bunch of people waiting for him at the airport and oh, there was so nobody sad. there. I remember seeing a documentary on him and they touched on that and it's really just a tragic story. It's um, unfortunate that he was labeled as that bad guy even if he was to an extent. It seems I like he like, wanted to not be a bad guy. Yeah, though. everyone yeah. was like, no, you're the bad yeah, guy. Yeah, you're a bad guy yeah. no matter what. Um, but interesting around his death, but but going to the organized crime involved in boxing and how the sports, you know, of course, had a very dirty history around the judging at that time to now. Do you think it's more incompetence or do you think it's more? There's been some very controversial decisions. How, how involved do you think uh, or how corrupt do you think some of these judges are today? I, Sometimes you watch a fight and you think the judges had to bet. Like Tim Bradley, Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao probably won 11 rounds and they gave it to Bradley. Well, I love Tim Bradley. But you would assume by watching the fight that it was corruption. But being involved in so many fights and talking to these judges, I, I think a lot of it's incompetence. I just don't think they know how to score fights. I, Why is that? Like, what, is it just... There aren't that many people that are into boxing, first of all. So, you know, you should use people that have been involved in the sport. Right. When, I was, when I was coaching amateurs, I was also judging 
just to help out with USA Boxing. And there were people there that were doing it because they wanted to get into professional boxing as judges. But amateur boxing at the time was just clicking the punches that you thought landed. <laughs> and then I see some of these judges on TV in Florida that, you know, they just, they don't, they really don't understand boxing. Some judges are outstanding, don't get me wrong, but a lot of them are just incompetent. So I have a question and sort of a comment for you. The, the WBC, maybe, maybe you could correct me on this, but a lot of people have talked about open scoring, where after the round, the fighter knows if they're up or they're down, what's, what's going on. Right? I'll give you an example. W, but the WBC, I believe, did that at one point. We just fought in Latvia three weeks ago. Noel McCallion beat uh, Yuri Kalenga for the WBC silver belt. And after four rounds, like two of the judges had it even. I swear. Did Noel, you know this? Was it open? Yeah, yeah. They showed it after the fourth and after the eighth. So and the WCBC does do that on some They, they did it that day. It was the first yeah. fight I've ever been involved yeah, with. I've but, heard about that. But to give you an example, he won every round. And there were two judges that had it even. And Dino and I, my partner, we were talking to one of the judges the next day in the, in the restaurant. And he goes, yeah, I gave your guy 11 rounds. And I go, just... You know, I had a curiosity. What round did you give to Kalenga? He goes, the first one. I'm like, well, in the first round, he didn't land a punch. So basically, some judges give these guys rounds just because they're moving forward. Yeah. And that's silly. Ring control. And- you know, aggression is not enough if you're walking into punches, which Kalenga was. What are your thoughts on open scoring? Like, I, the two-sided argument are... Let the fighters know because if they're getting robbed midway through the fight, they can at least try to attempt to go for the finish. Then on the other side, people say, well, if a guy knows he's six rounds up, he's just going to coast and it's bad for the sport because then guys are just coasting out and just playing it safe for the win if they know they're up. Which which side are you on? Well, the answer is I, I agree on both. If I were up after eight rounds, eight rounds to nothing, I would just stick and move for the last four rounds. So I understand that. But I, I think it's good to show probably better to do open scoring because at least you could see that some of the judges are either blind or in the tank. If you yeah. see one guy is getting knocked from pillar to post and then you're holding them responsible. But what I would really like to see with judges is after a questionable decision, bring them into the boxing commissioner's office the next day or the following Monday and have them watch it and explain why they gave this particular fight in that particular round. I'd like to see that and, and hold judges accountable that way. Because sometimes, look, in all fans to the judges, sometimes where you're sitting, if the fighter's back is to you and the other guy's throwing punches, see. you yeah. can't see. Yeah. So, but I would like to see them called into the boxing commissioner's office and explain this one. I'm with that 100%. I think there needs to be way more pressure on the judges, especially recently with uh, Josh Taylor and Catterall. I think most people would say that Josh Taylor lost. He ended up getting the decision in his hometown of Scotland. Probably some home cooking going on there, and it's terrible because Catterall, no one knows him. If you're not a hardcore boxing fan, no one knows who he is. Now, no one's gonna know him in a month. He's going to fade away. Josh Taylor's going up to 147. It's a shame. It's really robbing him of a moment where he could become undisputed 
at his division, holding all the belts. Machuno just fought Makabu, and he clearly won the fight Machuno in the game with Makabu. And who's behind that promotion? Don King. <laughs> Don King was the promoter, I'm not saying anything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to interrupt you, I'll cut this out, but lead that into, since it's becoming more a general talk, then lead that into that fights through this Bad decisions? Oh, yeah, okay. Bad decisions, what, which ones you talk about? Oh, I could run with it. So you were just talking about the Makabu fight. Obviously, he got a gift, right? And, and Don King is the promoter of that event. He's no stranger to controversy with crime surrounding himself. I believe he's uh, has murdered someone and he's uh, getting away with it. But talk to me about maybe the corruption around some of his events, right? There's got to be a lot of uh, questionable decisions. I'm not singling out Don King, but let's look at it this way. If you're a promoter, and I don't mean Don King, I mean any promoter, and you have access to the judges, and now you're, you're having dinner with them, and you're setting them up in five-star hotels, okay? A lot of times, those judges are inclined to side with your fighter because they want to get called again to judge a fight. Now, think of it if you're Major League Baseball or the NFL, and you're Bill Belichick before the Super Bowl, and you're dining with the referees. Wouldn't that be absurd? Definitely. In boxing, this is what goes on. So I'm not saying Don King. I'm saying it's just it's rampant with many promoters. You know, it's just it, it's it's available to them. That's why we've seen so many bad decisions. Right. And that's just the problem with the sport. I mean, I don't know. It's almost not even worth getting into because we all know that the sport is so fractured in terms of different promoters, different networks. So there's always going to be an A side and a B side until things can kind of be united into one umbrella like the NFL or like the UFC where there's one sanctioning body, one sanctioning place. There's always going to be an upper hand. Yeah, I don't think it'll ever happen, but... It would be great. Teddy Atlas called for it for years. Right. You know, and, and he's right, a thousand percent. He's always right. I would like to see him be the commissioner. Yeah. Because he's honest to a fault, which is great. But if, like the way Dana White runs MMA, I mean, he doesn't run MMA, but he runs UFC, which right. is the main organization. And now, I mean, maybe the fighters don't get paid what they should, but... The good fighters have to fight good fighters. So you don't see the bad decisions as much in MMA as you do in boxing. Right. And what do you think about the, I'm curious, from the old school boxing to now, taking it to 12 rounds? Oh, I like 15 rounds better. I do too. Because <laughs> I think some of the best rounds are... I mean, I think 15 rounds is better because there's been so many championships throughout history that were won in the 13th, 14th, 15th round. Right. When I hear the announcers now saying the championship rounds, the 11th and 12th rounds, I kind of cringe because the championship rounds were always 13, 14, 15. So that's like a fight that comes into mind for me recently or fairly recently is Tiafima Lopez versus um, uh, Lomachenko. And Tiafima won that fight, I believe. But if that was 15 rounds... Things were clearly starting to flow the other way. I just feel like it kind of takes momentum I, away. I scored it six rounds apiece, but Tiafima won the 12th round. He did. Yeah, he won the 12th round. But the clearly. last 
four. Lomachenko out of five. went five out of the last six. Yeah, right. But things were trending his way. I just think Lomachenko was injured that day. Yeah. I, I think he was injured. He had surgery, I think, on his shoulder right he after did. the fight. Yeah, he did. So, uh, but I, I scored at six rounds apiece. So did Andre Ward. So I'm not alone. No. You know? You're not. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a big fan of Lomachenko, so I, I was questioning myself, am I being unfair? But Andre Wood had it scored exactly the same way I did. So obviously, Tiafimo won the fight. He then went on to fight Cambosos, pulled off an uh, amazing upset, crazy performance in Tiafimo's backyard in New York. And now we have Loma. Um, you know, everything we'll see. Obviously, he's in the Ukraine right now, but hopefully that fight happens soon. Um, well, what, it's interesting because that's what makes boxing great. Uh, Tiafimo beat a fighter more talented than him, and then Cambosis beat a fighter more talented than him. So the best guy doesn't always win. Who do you see standing at the lightweight division once this all filters out because we got Gervonta Davis floating I think around. Lomachenko, I still guys. think Lomachenko is the best fighter in the world. It's just that not everybody is suited to move up in weight effectively. I think Lomachenko is the best fighter in the world, but I just think he's really a featherweight. Yeah. And he is small. For, he's small, yeah. you know, so, but I think Lomachenko is still the, the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Well, I appreciate the time. Coach Guy here. I think it was a uh, fun episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And, I did. And you guys uh, will all be checking this out soon on audio or YouTube dropping. Make sure to go follow the Fist Street Gym. Follow me, Brooklyn Boxing Podcast, and subscribe on YouTube at The Pod Matrix. Thanks, guys. The Pod Matrix.